today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Well, you just when you do this thing for a living, you do talk radio, uh, interactive talk radio like we do, uh, you just never know who's going to call. And that was the case yesterday when our good friend Alan Carter was uh, doing his show, The Alan Carter Show, which is uh, heard uh, from at noontime, of course, uh, Monday to Friday on our uh, sister station in Toronto, AM640. And uh, they were talking about uh, one of the aspects of uh, some of the Ford cutbacks. And lo and behold, who do you think should call but the Premier himself? Joining us to talk about this is Alan Carter, the uh, anchor of Global News at 530 and 6 and host of The Alan Carter Show on AM640. Alan, great to have you back in the program. How are you doing today? Bill, you're a cheeky fellow with the Carly Rae Jepsen intro there. I like, I love that. We, we have a Carly Rae, we have a Carly Rae premiere now. Pretty much, pretty much. So set set the scene. What was going on tomorrow? I mean, you were talking about. Uh, I guess it was the uh, legal aid stuff, essentially, wasn't it? Well, what we had uh, started off by talking about was this whole thing about beer and wine in corner oh, yeah. stores. And this sort of came out from a, a, a fundraising email that uh, Doug Ford sent out on Monday saying, you know, are you with me? Uh, we're going to, you know, Alan, we're not going to treat you like a baby anymore. But, you know, should we put beer and wine in corner stores? Well, why not? Well, I asked why not. And one of the reasons that the people don't realize is that the previous government signed a deal with the beer store that said, OK, this, we're going to put uh, beer and wine in in." Uh, grocery stores, but then you'll be able to do all the rest of these things. And, and in, in exchange for that, you have to spend $10 million upgrading your stores and all the rest of this stuff. Well, if we go in there as a province and now say, no, 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 sorry, we're going to put them in corner stores now. The agreement says that there are potential financial penalties for that. So we were talking about that. And I have a lot of fun on my radio show. I have this thing where I just use little clips of uh, of Doug Ford, the premier, saying things, and then I just play them out of context. So, mm-hmm. like, I'll just have him say, everything's made of carbon, for no reason. <laughs> um, or uh, yesterday I I, I, uh, I I made a joke about him going to the bathroom at the uh, chorus building and then played a clip of him saying, I'm going to have to sanitize this place from top to bottom. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, so I'm doing all of this ridiculous, pure, all juvenile stuff, and my producer says, uh, Doug Ford online, too. And sure enough, there's the premier all upset. He said that uh, he almost ran into three telephone poles while listening to the radio show, which is interesting, Bill, because when you're the premier, they don't let you drive. Usually not. They don't. You're not allowed to. But anyway, the metaphor was there, I guess. So he, <laughs> I guess so, he was not being so. Literal. So what was his analysis of your show, Alan? Uh, well, I, I, he told my, produ- well, my producer before he came on is put me on with that lefty, uh, and I'm going <laughs> to set him straight. So I think that kind of gives you a sense of how we felt. <laughs> <laughs> That's that sets the scene for it. Uh, so, and, and you covered a, 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 a few different things. Obviously, the beer and wine, and, and you're absolutely right. We did that segment on the show last week, and of course, they tried to blame the previous government. But that's not unlike uh, some of the Green Initiative programs that uh, that he arbitrarily canceled just after he got into office. Notwithstanding the fact that there are penalty clauses, and and this is a huge penalty clause that's that's in play here. Well, it, potentially, it could be. I mean, if you're talking about the beer and wine thing, I mean, it could be. You know, hundreds of millions of dollars is what the speculation was. It has been. And, and I'm not talking speculation from people who don't know. I'm talking about industry insiders. Now, the beer store won't say anything. But we mentioned this, you know, $100, $200 million number. And I think that's really what incensed the premier. And he called up and he said, that is ludicrous. That is not going to happen. And then when I asked him flat out, I said, 
would you accept that the government had to pay some kind of financial penalty to get us out of this deal that, you know, that you might argue is a bad deal for the province and we just have to get out of it? And he said, well, we're not there yet, but we're in negotiations with the beer store. So I think, you know, he would not rule out paying some kind of financial penalty. Certainly they are currently trying to rework that deal. And when you rework a deal, I, I don't know, Bill, have you ever tried to break a contract? And then go in and say to the people, we're going to get, well, give you, we're going to break this contract and I'm going to give you less than you had before. Well, that's not the way it works. No, invariably. No. I mean, that's why that clause was in there. And, and, and it may well be a, a lousy deal. I mean, I've talked to some poli sci professors and economists that said, you know, the, the win, or actually, it was Dwight Duncan, I think, was the finance minister at the time, if I recall. And, and it was essentially so that those beer companies, the big three beer companies, would not raise the price of beer for a little while. And, and this was a heck of a price to pay. But I mean, that's, that was what was in place. And, the question I was asking was, since the, I assume they knew that this contract was in place, why did they announce that they were just arbitrarily going to do this and put the beer and wine in there and, and not mention the fact that it could cost us a couple of hundred million bucks? Well, yeah, like, you know, I, I have a little bit of a problem with this government and it's, you know, and it's a predilection to go to rhetoric over actual results. And so you have the finance minister prior to the budget announcing that they're going to do this. Remember, they'd already promised it. Mm -hmm. Then in the budget, he promised again that he was going to do it. And But the reality is, is that we're still in negotiations with the beer store, which we have to negotiate with because we have a signed legal document with them. And so we have to do this renegotiation. And there has been no mention about, like you say, a possible financial penalty for doing it. And, and and so to suggest that they were premature in putting this in the budget, I think is probably an understatement at this cage, a stage rather. But it's it's just it's one of these things where I know and people are saying, well, it's all uh, it's you know it's the previous liberal government's fault. Maybe it was, and maybe you didn't like the deal. Uh, and but at the same time, you think that the incoming administration would say, look, it, we've got to wrestle this to the ground before we actually figure we can do something about this. And and they haven't even begun to do that now. And uh, your point's well taken. Uh, we're talking about three major international companies here that are selling beer here with their monopoly that they call the beer store. And uh, I can't see them backing down very much, if at all, Alan. Well, I mean, the beer store's makeup has been changed. That's one of the things that the new beer framework did. It uh, opened up the ownership to a lot more smaller and craft brewers. So it's no longer the monopoly that it was prior to 2015. But to the larger point, and this is, I think, what really annoyed the premier is that when we were talking about the beer story, we, we, we raised the issue of Hydro One. Now, you remember Mayo Schmidt. Mm -hmm. remember, remember the $6 million man yeah. who was, who was going to get fired with absolutely no severance? And then it turned out that he got a, he might not have got quote unquote severance, but he got a substantial package of shares and other kinds of money to be able to make him go away. And then, subsequent to that, you may recall that under the previous administration, Hydro One had tried to purchase a California um, entity, a, a power company in California. And then that company, uh, the regulators, rather, in that area of the world, after Mayo Schmidt was greased, uh, they said, well, wait a second, we see too much political interference here. We're canceling the deal. And that came with a significant penalty for the province of Ontario. And... The, the premier was incensed that we would say this, but the fact of the matter is it's true. Now, he said, well, you know, hey, the, the stock price actually, you know, Hydro One stock price went up after this deal got canceled. 
And that's true, too. But that doesn't take away from the fact that there was a financial penalty because of interference by this government. And and that's the thing that I, I think rankles an awful lot of people here is that they love to talk about the good news. Hey, I'm going to give you a beer in the corner store, but oh, they don't talk about the price. Uh, you know, we're going to do this deal, but uh, they don't talk about the penalty phrase. We're going to cut these programs because we think what the government did was wrong. This is costing us an awful lot of money, and uh, it's, it's got to come from someplace. And and uh, you know, and that, you know what that someplace usually is. Well, yeah, and I think. On a higher level, I think that here is where people are getting going to get increasingly tired with this government, is they treat us like we're idiots. They really do. Like, it is a constant, it's a constant parade of, oh, hey, there's going to be a 10% cut in tuition fees right across the board. Isn't that great? By the way, we're changing OSAP and taking away all this other stuff. And then they're like, oh, hey, we're going to eliminate the uh, wait list for autism services. Isn't that fantastic? Oh, by the way, we've done this other thing and everybody's upset. You know, like, it's this kind of, oh, here's a shiny thing over here and trying to bury stuff that we can't see somewhere else. And that is, I think that's destructive. Well, and the, and look, look, let's put this in perspective. I mean, you know, as you and I talked about this leading up to the election last uh, last year. And, and everybody, I think, pretty much knew that the Liberal government, the Wynn government, was pretty much dead in the water. And there was a litany of the reasons why. And, and so, the, I mean, the tide had already been cast. The tide had already been cast in situations like that. But there was a promise, not just by Ford, but by everybody else during that leadership and subsequent election, uh, to say, we're going to do better. We're going to be more transparent. Uh, we're going to be honest with taxpayers. We, and I know that's a promise that just what everybody makes in elections. But I guess after what we saw with the previous government, we thought, well, okay, maybe they are going to be more transparent. It's, it's, it's like that old line from the Who song, you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they claim... That it's a different perspective, certainly. Sure, but you're right. And I want to quickly, before we run out of time, just move to the... the I mean... Keep in mind, when the Premier calls you unexpectedly, and who knows, Bill, he may be listening to us right now. He may be on the line for you when I'm done. Uh, but w- when the Premier calls you unexpectedly, you know, you've got to really just rely on what it is that you know in your head. I wasn't prepped for the Premier to call in. Yeah. But I asked him about legal aid, and I asked him about changes to legal aid. And, you know, he keeps saying, well, there's no cuts in our budget. There's no cuts in our budget. Well, but that's not true. We know that's not true because in the budget there is a reduction in funding for legal aid. And when I pressed him on what this human cost would be, he made an unusual promise. He promised, he said, quote unquote, I promise anyone who needs legal aid will get it, just call my office. So there you go. If you're having trouble, if anybody out there is listening to me and you know you you find you find out because that legal aid uh, funding change is already in place. That oh, you're finding out, oh, you're not, a, you don't have access to legal aid anymore. Just call the premier. He'll, he guarantees he'll get it for you. Where's that money going to come from? I, I don't. Perhaps, perhaps from him. I don't. From Deco Labels. I don't know. He was aware of the fact, was he not, that you have to qualify for legal aid anyway? You can't just put, you know, you can't just call one eight hundred legal aid and say, yeah, hook me up. I need so I'm not going to pay for a lawyer. I want to get the province to do this. There are certain criteria that you have to meet. Uh, and if they meet those, but all of a sudden they don't qualify anymore, there's the conundrum that he's created. Well, what the head of legal aid has said is that already they will now have to stop taking new cases of refugees. Remember, the legal aid helps refugees, immigrants, new Canadians. And, you know, Mr. Ford then quickly sort of retreated into this whole, you know, illegal border crossing. 
And I just don't know. I just don't think that those two things are the same. It's not the same issue, right? If you're here in the country, uh, we we have a system that says, you know, you get a hearing. Uh, and you also, you know, if you can't afford it, you get legal aid. And and now the cuts to it, according to the legal and I don't make this up. I'm, st- I'm quoting, you know, the head of legal aid that says that this puts us in an incredibly difficult position going forward. And the premier says, well, you know, if, you know, in terms of a human cost, if, if you qualify and you still can't get it because of funding issues, call me. I, I the part of the interview that kind of got me. He first of all didn't believe the thirty percent cut, even notwithstanding you know the numbers are right there. Uh, and he says that this. I know you know this. It's a quote from the show yesterday. He says if they looked into it, there's more money being spent on lawyer fees and less on cases. Uh, but he doesn't want the money going to the lawyers. Does he not understand what the the whole purpose of this this program is for? Well. I, don't, I wondered about that myself, and and then I, I guess you know you, you listen back to the stuff, and you you know as you I'm sure you do it too. I kicked myself all last last night about oh I should have asked this, I should have followed up with that. You know if I was smarter I would have said this. But I, I, I look at what he says there about money to the lawyers, and then I I think okay well maybe that that could be a very valid argument, um, but none of the funding changes that they're making address that systemic problem. It's not like they've figured out a way to get the money to the people who need it and not the lawyers. They're just taking away the money. Well, it's not the fee. And I don't profess to be you know, a legal expert, although I'm, I'm married to a great lawyer. I, I understand a little bit about this. And I can tell you, first of all, right off the top, Alan, I don't know any lawyers that ever got rich on legal aid, okay? Uh, it doesn't happen. More often than not, the money that's directed there goes to pay for the cost of, of, of processing the application. There is work that needs to be done, and there's a fee for that because it costs money to access records and do this sort of thing. Uh, and again, there's I, no, nobody's driving a Maserati now because, hey, boy, I got legal aid cases, and boy, I, I'm rolling in dough. It doesn't happen that way. Again, it, just, it goes to the idea that they don't seem to comprehend exactly what the program is for and who the program is supposed to be benefiting. There, it, it does seem that way, um, and, and again, you know, I, I, when you look, at, if you listen to the entire interview, which is is posted, um, if you want to take a listen to it, and you go to my Twitter, it's right there. Uh, globalnews.ca has it. You can listen to the entire thing. And I just come back to this sort of, you know, the, the, this ability that 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 the premier has to sort of gloss over some high level stuff, like when you start talking about you know, carbon tax, and, and why are you spending our tax dollar money for ads to criticize the government, you know, after you promised us that you would bring back in legislation that would uh, have the Auditor General oversee all ads, and you haven't done that, and even the Auditor General says the ads you're currently running about the carbon tax, she would not approve if she had that power. So and then and then at the same time, you know, you talk about legal aid. He talks about legal border crossing. You talk about hydro one, and then he talks about the stock uh, price instead of the you know instead of the actual charges. So there's this sort of you know dodging that they do uh, that the premier does, where he kind of goes on a high level and he likes to talk you know in terms of well this is all great for the people, but when we get into the nitty gritty and what actually is going on, I think there's a disconnect. Well, and this is so, something that's happening in politics, frankly, on both sides of the border right now, is, is it, leaders right now are just shooting talking points out there, figuring that, you know, their the base, the people that just love that particular party, are going to buy into the hook, line, and sinker because it's them that's saying it, and they don't do the homework on this. 
And and to suggest it and be critical, as you have been, as I have been on, on our programs, does not necessarily mean we want the old government back. Of course not. They, they've made their mistakes, and we did have to turn the page here. But we expected more from these guys, and we're not getting a whole lot more. I mean, the carbon pricing is an example. I mean, he doubled down on that last week and said we're probably heading to a recession now, even though every economist in the country, including most conservative economists, say that's not true. It's just not going to happen. But, you know, his I can see some of the reaction on Twitter. Oh, he says it's going to happen, so it's going to happen. I mean, uh, so we in a roundabout way, we've got ourselves to blame for this because we just seem to blindly follow these leaders, whatever political stripe they might be. Yeah, and I think our job, your job, my job, uh, my job, all of my jobs, <laughs> is, <laughs> is, is to try and hold those in power to account. And, you know, I, I did it when it was the Wynn government. I did it when it was the McGinty government. And, you know, the liberals complained bitterly that I was being partisan and too hard on them. And now that it's the conservatives, I have precisely the same thing from the conservatives that, you know, say I'm a partisan and I'm a liberal shill and a lefty and all the rest of that. And I mean, that is the job of journalism, which is to shine a light on these, you know, sort of off the cuff things that our leaders say and say, well, hold on. Is that really true? Well, listen, uh, and you do a great job of it, and uh, I'm going to let you go now because I know you have to prep for when he calls you again later on today, Alan. So <laughs> this is going to be a weekly feature from what I understand. I, ho- I hope so. I hope he calls... <laughs> I hope he calls every week and thinks of it as a therapy session. There you go. (laughs) Dr. Allen. Just call up Dr. Allen. I'll make you feel better. Allen Carter from uh, Global News at 530 and 6, and, of course, the Allen Carter Show on AM 640. Thanks again, Allen. Great talking with you. Bill, always great to be on. I appreciate you calling. Take care. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.